Welcome to episode one of Inspect. My name is AJ. And I'm Les. Inspect is a show about web development, design and technology. So today is just going to be a bit of an introduction about us, um, where we're from, how we got into the industry, a little bit about our backgrounds, plans for this year, plans for the future, uh, just so that you know the listeners can get to know us a little bit. So um, I guess, do you want to kick it off, Les? Let us know a bit about you. So um, as I've already said, my name's Les. Um, I've been a software developer for about six-ish years. Started off in front end and uh, slowly moved into the dark side of .NET technologies. Uh, I'm a recent father of two beautiful twins, um, and that's me. What about you, AJ? So yeah, my name's AJ. Um, I'm a front end developer working on UI development. I started off as a designer, and then I've been doing front end design since around about 2008. Um, also a father. But uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. But I suppose we could probably go into a bit more depth. So do you want to start from the beginning, like where you where you grew up and how you kind of got into the industry and take it from there, really? Um, so so I, I sort of, uh, I, I was uh, born and bred in Chertsey, um, southeast of uh, England, um, and sort of, well, I, I, I didn't actually live there with my parents, but I always stayed there with my grandparents. Um, and while growing up, it was pretty rural. It was, um, farmland, um, rudimental, uh, sort of construction sort of industries, uh, for the family and for what I was growing up around. And there was not really much any, well, there's no tech at all really into it. Uh, and that sort of, uh, was pretty common, um, even throughout school, um, until I was about 17, 18, um, in which, I did a multitude of different jobs uh, before eventually finding my calling, calling while out in South Africa as um, a, a front-end developer. Bit of a bit of a long way to travel to find out what you're going to do for, for work, right? Well, yeah, true. I mean, one of the one of the jobs that I was doing at that time was a, yeah, a courier for the music industry. Um, so what I was doing is the master records and all that sort of stuff is, um, I had to have the whole briefcase handcuffed to your, to your wrist, um, going to the different, uh, distribution warehouses, uh, factories, manufacturing plants, mm. um, and really jet setting around the world, not really seeing any of it at all. Um, but that was sort of my role. Um, my dad emigrated to South Africa, uh, where he owned a hotel and I went out to visit him and, uh, the stepmom was like, Oh, you're a, you're the right generation. You can build a website. Uh, being one, always up for a challenge. I said, why not? And then was like, yeah, I actually quite enjoy this compared to everything else. So that's been my life since I've been 21. Okay. All right. Interesting. Quite a big change then. So when did you when did you move to to where we are now? Where where are you living now? Um, so so I'm living pretty actually uh, very close to where my my parents sort of uh, brought me up. Um, so I'm in Binfield, uh, still in the southeast, quite close to London. Um, 
and only recently i've always worked for digital agencies um and software houses uh local uh but now recently i've started my own company um so it's pretty much oh you can hear the little one there yeah um so so yeah that that's me i mean you know where did you grow up and sort of how did you end up in web development right so i grew up around west london in uh, hounslow um did most of my schooling around there and then um i got into web development probably quite late actually after after university even but um before that while i was at high school i was quite interested in all the all the creative subjects there so i studied art i studied um graphic design music uh, throughout the years uh, and um yeah i was always quite interested in the sort of creative side of the subjects and um i really wanted to actually take take on um music in university as well but i don't know just one thing didn't one thing led to another it didn't really work out that way and i ended up going to university and doing computer science um which wasn't really my original choice but it was just where i ended up you know how it is and um i didn't really like it very much uh, i never liked programming it just wasn't i didn't really have the the head for it at that time so i just i did obviously i finished my degree but in the back of my mind it was always like i don't i really don't want to do this i don't want to do this i wouldn't pursue like a, a one of the creative arts um as much as i can and then um i got a job just after university but uh it was working for this company in in hemhamstead it was a, a it was actually a payphone company not the most exciting um but they were going through this sort of transition where they're converting their payphones into internet kiosks so i was getting to work with computers quite a lot and uh you know learning a bit more about sort of software and the way it's all the way it was all being sort of put together and uh that was quite interesting and then at that same time my my brother at the time was working for a, for an agency he's he's a web developer as well he, he's a a a .net developer so he was working for an agency and then he was uh, approached by someone to to do some freelance work and then but the freelance work involved some design and he's not a designer he knew that i had a passion for these sorts of things so me and him sort of joined forces and we we formed a we formed a company so myself him and a friend of ours and we were just working from home um in our spare time and working on this freelance project that he had and then um yeah things took off from there and in after university it just realized that you know I I actually got quite good you know I'm I'm really liking design now and uh it's something that I definitely want to pursue so after that we just uh we formed a company uh the three of us and that grew actually we did it for about I was with that company for about 10 years until I exited it um I exited around 2010 I think it was 2010 2011ish so so is that company still going uh yeah the company still exists it's um so it had it had a few years of growth and it reached sort of a peak of about 15 people i think it was and then it's as the sort of projects became the the number of projects reduced the the company we started focusing on just one or two clients and focusing all our energy on those then mm. the headcount slowly reduced as well and now there's just sort of a few people just running it and servicing those clients and but they they're sort of big projects as well uh but it was just something that i outgrew uh, myself yeah. you know 
for like career progression wise. Yeah, so when I then um, exited the company that I started, I had a few jobs at a few different agencies. Um, I worked for BT for a little while, um, and then I worked for another another brand on the client side, and then I joined the agency uh, the agency where where obviously I met you. So that was um, about a year ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, that that was about a year. I, I think I've been there probably about five or, or six months before uh, you joined. Um, but no, yeah, that that was the uh, the start. Uh, quoting the Casablanca film of uh, a beautiful friendship. <laughs> yeah, lovely, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that was good. I mean, I really enjoyed the job, and then uh, it just obviously just ended in a bit of a crap way. Um, so for the benefit of people listening. Me and Les used to work together at a digital agency and back in November last year in 2016, depending on when you're listening to this, it uh, the company went into liquidation and the whole company became made redundant. So it wasn't a huge team, it was about 30, wasn't it? About 30 people? Yeah, it was about 30 people. Yeah, but it wasn't great, obviously we were all being, all being made redundant all at the same time and... Um, it was a uh, yeah, it was quite a bit of a difficult time actually towards the end of last year, but yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it was the the sort of shock because it was quite out of the blue. Um, the un, unfortunately, a couple of clients were, were holding payments and that sort of stuff to the company, uh, unbeknown to to the the workforce. Um, but the the um, what made it so shocking uh, and out of the blue was that everyone was a an expert in their own field, uh, really likable, really friendly. Um, everyone would go out of the way to do anything for for everyone else. Uh, it, it was one of the best places I've ever worked, um, and and for it to under end under such circumstances was just uh, well, like you you said, pretty crap. Yeah, because that's obviously that's what makes your makes the job worthwhile, isn't it? It's the people you work with. It's not really about the company or the, the actual clients. It's uh, it's the it's the team that you're part of. And yeah, we had a really good team there. Um, but it's been good because obviously you know a lot of people have kept in touch, and obviously me and you are still working on this project together. And um, yeah, it's been quite it's quite a supportive team, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So I mean, pretty much everyone's kept in touch, um, and everyone's looking out for each other even now i mean i believe it's four-ish months four or five months after the event mm. um uh the 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 whatsapp group still going strong um comments on it every now and again um and no it, it's when once you meet good people once you've, you've met uh, professionals and stuff um it, it it makes everything so much easier but you are completely right um at the end of the day what we do in technology um normally boils down to pixels or ones and zeros um and you can be doing that for anyone anywhere um and you're just doing it for money but what really makes it worth getting up in the morning and um interacting on those projects is the people um hands down yeah absolutely definitely so what do you sort of think about these sort of um uh, designers to developers or developers to designers um the, the, it's quite a hot topic um that that's debated quite a lot where a f- some people say that you need to be specialist uh, uh, a jack of all trade is a, ma- a master of none mm-hmm. um that sort of comment or you have other people that say that to know both actually empowers you to to make the right decisions i think it depends on your i think it depends on the type of mind that you got if you're very sort of, if you 
if your mind is works in a sort of very calculative way, then maybe you are suited just to to being a developer. Yeah. Whereas if you if you you know more of a sort of creative problem solver, then being a designer is probably probably quite a good skill to have. Um, especially as a front end developer, it's handy knowing about design as well because mm. a lot of the time I can make decisions uh, or I can. I can make assumptions about what designers are are trying to do with their designs. Whereas if, you know, suppose if you're a designer and you know how to code as well, that could also maybe stifle your creativity a little bit because you know what's possible and what's not. At that moment in time, because as we all know, tech is always like marching forward. Yeah. Um, Especially now, it's like I've seen a few designs recently which... um, uh, baffled me that they're actually done in HTML and they're not like videos playing in the background. It's uh, been really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you know how to create that sort of stuff, then then you've got the freedom to design that as well, right? Yeah. But if you don't know how to build something like that, then you're never going to think of it. Yeah, you might not. As as a designer developer, you might not even attempt to design something that's got that level of creativity if you personally don't know how it can be built. Whereas if you're just a designer and not a developer, you may design something which is completely out, quite left field, not knowing yeah. whether it's possible to be built or not. And if it's not possible, then your ideas may be pushed back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think that follows a similar sort of concept for for sort of the more back end sort of dev roles. Is um, as a junior and actually throughout, you know, whatever stage of career you are, if you don't know the tools or technologies exist for a certain problem, um, you you don't use them and you end up having to try creating your own and doing all that sort of stuff just because you don't know of it. So if you don't know it, you can't use it. Um, uh, as a a example, is one of the first things I did um, as a back end developer is I recreated the entire um, model validation for the web forms uh, just because I didn't know it existed um, at the time. Um, yeah. But I, I suppose as a on the opposite side of things, as a, as a designer, if you don't know what exists, you can dream up the world. Um, but if you do know, or your, your full process is limited by what you know, um, you, you know, like you said, the creativity is stifled. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Um, you said it a lot better than I did, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I think essentially, I think it overall, I think it's good to have experience in both if possible. But I've got no qualms with people who are just designers and don't want to touch any code. And I've got no qualms yeah. with, with programmers who have no interest in doing any design. You know, be a specialist in your field, and that's great. If you can, if you can do both, great. But if you can't, or if you don't want to, or if you, or if you can't, just focus on what you're good at and do it to the best of your ability, and uh, let other people worry about the other bits. Yeah, you yeah, know. it's you know, I mean, I, I'm, thing- I'm sorry, I'm my. By no means am I a back-end developer, but I'm happy to sort of get involved and 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 you know dip into the back-end code as well, to uh, yeah as much as I can. But it's not my core skill, so uh, you know I'll leave it to the ex- experts. Yeah, you, you can sort of you can help out and you can um, without being. Uh, to, to rocketry, yeah. um, you can you can monkey patch, 
um the the bits but when it comes down to the true experts and what they can do is um they know their stuff because it's their domain yeah i I know enough to know what is probably possible and is probably the right answer but yeah i'm I'm not going to be the one to actually figure out the right answer if you know what i mean yeah 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 well, funny enough, talking about that, as we're, you know, sort of um, front back end, um, as a, a, a sort of full, full stack developer, um, the reason why I've gone more back end in, in recent years is purely down to the fact of the, the front end is moving much, much, much faster than the, the back end technologies and code. And I'm sure people will disagree. Um, but also at the same time is you don't have to get the back end absolutely perfect. Um, as long as it works and it's performant, um, you know, you can, there's a million and five ways to skin a cat. Uh, but on the front end, um, especially with, uh, you've got like a website profilers and speed analysts and, um, SEO marketers and the new meta uh, data and all that sort of stuff um, is the, the only the normally seems to be only one way and unless you're an expert in all of those areas and that, that's discounting design from um, which is another big part um, then your user experience all that sort of stuff it's just a huge domain to be uh, try and keep afloat of yeah I mean just look at any any recent job spec you look at a front-end job spec these days, and they'll ask you for. They'll obviously have HTML, CSS, JavaScript on there as as your core three skills. But then they will list every other framework that's available, just yeah. as as a requirement. But then you know you, you wonder like, do you act, are are these companies actually using all these frameworks, or do they just want someone who can cover all bases? And you, you'll see things like oh, a minimum five years of Angular two, but it, you know, it hasn't even been around for five years. Or they'll just, yeah, it's just ridiculous, really. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, it's worth knowing. Well, that's the thing. It's the industry we live in. It's, I mean, front, back end, um, system admin, or, or, you know, cloud specialist, whatever title you want to put yourself to, is at the end of the day, we're all geek slash technologically, uh, technology um, minded. Um, and the the industry we're in is pretty much just you know one of constant learning and um, progression. Uh, we, you can't really box yourself in too much. Um, I mean, of course, design and front end is it has clear boundaries, and you can either muddy the waters or you can be on one or two of the, uh, one of the sides. Um, but when you're in technology, like you're sort of saying, um, it's it's pretty much as if you're a, a, a front-end developer, um, no doubt you're going to end up start playing with web services, um, m- moving more into the sort of the, the back-end, the server-side stuff. Or, um, as common trends are, you do everything in the, the client side and the, the server becomes more and more redundant. Um, or vice versa, as a back-end developer, you're always going to end up writing a bit of JavaScript, putting out some HTML markup, um, editing element attributes. Um, we all work in the same ecosystem, and um, yeah, we've given ourselves labels to sort of highlight the technologies that we use, but it's all the all the same, really, or that's my opinion anyway. Mm, okay, yeah, it's hard to keep up with it, I mean... Have you got any? Have you got any goals for this year? Anything that you're trying to focus on this year? 
Um, well, so every other year I've, I have had goals. So I'm like, this year I'm going to learn a new framework. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to release an app or, or that sort of stuff. Um, but but this year, uh, with the arrival of the uh, the, the twins um, and the unfortunate ending of the company that I was working at uh, as it went into liquidation, um, 2017 has been pretty much blown out the water in terms of goals. Uh, I mean, I've set up my own company now. Um, it's doing really well, and um, I'm, I'm trying to get that work-life balance or work-twin balance um, in order. Uh, but apart from that, um, really, it, it's learn as much as I can, have as much fun as I can, and um, hopefully, as soon as I get some sort of uh, sanity, uh, start actually putting some proper goals in. Uh, what about you? Yeah, so I've actually got a few, actually. Um, I've... I've written, I've jotted a few down, and um, I've got this this repo set up on GitHub, which has a, a list of just stuff like long term goals that I'd like to achieve this year. Um, I put it on GitHub because I thought, if well, it's actually an idea I got from someone else about being sort of transparent about your goals and making yourself accountable by putting them public. So um, yeah, yeah, I just created a, a just a checklist basically on on GitHub, and. Um, yeah, it's got a few things on there. I mean, I'd like I'd like to dabble with a different programming language. I was thinking maybe Ruby or Swift. I've I've I have been playing around with Swift a little bit, but I just haven't had enough time to dedicate to it. Um, but one of my main goals for this for this year was to get involved with a podcast or to actually start one myself. And obviously, that one's that's one that I can sort of tick off the list now because uh, yeah. things have started. So I definitely want to obviously keep up this podcast and help it, you know, make sure it grows and stuff like that. Um, but the main reason for actually wanting to do that in the first place is because one of the other goals I've got is to do some more public speaking. Yep. So I figured that, you know, this would just give me a bit of bit of a grounding in of just talking about top, certain topics and uh, just some practice, basically. Um, yeah, without definitely. Without the the pressure of having to do it on the stage straight away. Uh, it's just something that I've never really been great at is um, talking in front of a crowd. So that's something I'm trying to work on for this year. But yeah, so I've, I've, I've got a list of goals that I'm trying to achieve. And yeah, there's a few other just stuff like, you know, be more healthy and things like that. But work-wise, yeah, I'd, I'd like to sort of get involved with it, you know, try and try and learn a different programming language, something that I haven't worked with before. Uh, I'm leaning towards Ruby. I think that's something I'd like to try. I've 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 got a little bit of a, a start with it because I've been playing around with Jekyll, which is Ruby based. So I've got, you know, I've started I've started on that goal, but uh, not enough to take it off yet. So what sort of aspects of Jekyll are you using, and what and what is it for those that might not know? Okay, so Jekyll's a static site generator, so it's basically, it's kind of like a hybrid between a a, a dynamic website and and a, and a static website. So you're using you're using like C CMS style um, templates to generate static HTML files. Um, so the website for the podcast Inspect.fm that's built using Jekyll. My own personal, oh, cool. yeah. So my own personal website is uh, built using Jekyll as well, and um, I mean it's it's good. 
it's good for sites which probably don't need updating very often or mm-hmm. are going to be updated by by the developer so i wouldn't use jekyll for a client's project where they're expected to update the site themselves because once you once it once the site is being built with jekyll it always needs to be updated In jekyll. yeah maintained using jekyll to to generate the site um but it's pretty good. It's it's quite quick to knock out a site, and uh, the end result, because it's all static HTML files with no databases or anything like that, um, the site generally runs a lot a lot faster. I've noticed. Well, yeah, I feel I believe the BBC website, um, the news part, uses static site generators to uh, to circumvent the whole database um, sort of stuff. So they've got a CMS. Uh, in the back end, and then it all just uh, compiles the static code, and that's what's deployed. Well, okay. Well, if the BBC are using it, then I'll definitely be an advocate for it as well. Yeah. 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 We should probably do some research into it and uh, talk about it in a bit more depth in another show. Yeah, there definitely. are alternatives. There are other static generators, static site generators as well. There's Hugo. There's um, there's Jekyll's the main one that I use. There's probably others. I haven't really looked into any others. Um, Middleman well, is another one, I think. Middleman. I mean, um, I've tried to build my own um, with Umbraco as a, a base. Um, so it's basically use Umbraco as a CMS on a, a publishing platform, and then it statically generates all the files and stuff, and then you de- that's what you deploy. Um, it, it's not as easy as they, they all make it seem, <laughs> um, but it, it's a really interesting topic and probably definitely one for a, an episode. Yeah, so the way I've got this, uh, I've got my website working and the inspect website is that i've got um travis um doing the build and so i've got it all synced up with with github so you make your changes commit to the github repo then travis watches the github repo for changes runs a build and deploys it so it's all it's all automatic and it's quite a good system uh, it may not be perfect i mean i'm i'm not an expert in this yet but uh it works for now <laughs> So well, that's the most important thing in tech, isn't it? Is um, everything changes. Uh, best practices today could become anti-patterns tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but as long as it works and it does the job to an adequate or better standard, um, we can sort of pat ourselves on the back and uh, move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so so far, I'm I'm quite enjoying it. So that's why I'm thinking thinking that I might delve into Ruby a bit more, so I can maybe understand how Jekyll is working. Um, and how it's you know what it's doing in the back background. So, so is that your your main drive for drive for learning Ruby? Yeah, um, it's just, it's just something that I haven't tried. I mean, I've got exposure to PHP in the past. I've had exposure to .NET. I've never really had any exposure to Ruby. Um, so I just I just want to try something different, just to get out of the comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also learning Sketch at the moment as well. Um, I've I've always been a Photoshop photoshop user but um in the past few weeks i've started messing around with sketch so that's another How one for finding this year. It? um it's good but it's slowing me down a lot i've just not, i'm just not used to it I'm, i've been using photoshop and illustrator for so long i'm so used to them and um i'm just having to sort of reset all my muscle memory now and trying to learn a new tool but I will, I will stick with it. I will stick with it for a little while because I, I know it's got a lot of potential. It is a really good tool, but I'm, I, it's just slowing me down. Okay, well, 
yeah maybe we should leave it there uh, it's been a good chat I think that's been quite a good first episode and um, yeah if you guys listening have enjoyed what you've heard so far hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this in iTunes or in your RSS feed and uh, we will catch you in the next episode bye dude catch you later later bye